0: Hey, good morning. Welcome and welcome to those of you joining us online. Who was here the last time I preached here? It was a couple months ago. Uh, We had some fun, right? Uh, If if you were here for second service, it was even extra fun. First service, I got about a minute in and then all the lights went out. And so I just yelled for 30 minutes, which was really fun. And then second service, floodlights went out. We moved out to the lobby, had the chairs spread out and down back in the lobby, and we did service out there, had some acoustic worship. It was really cool. I mean, it was was a fun time. It was definitely something I will never forget, but the first thing that went through my mind when that happened was, oh boy, it's going to be a miracle if I can get through this morning, because I just had never experienced anything like that before, and that's the thing, like, with miracles, it's almost like it's this thing, like, we joke about, like, you know, oh, it's going to be a miracle if I can get through this. If you're married or if you have a significant other or even siblings and they do something you've been begging for them to do, you're like, oh, it's a miracle. You finally took the trash out. It's a miracle. You finally did the dishes. Or maybe you think of a song, you know, I believe in miracles. I don't know. Um, Maybe a movie, Miracle on Ice. We have all these different things where we use this word miracle, but do we actually believe that it's something real that could actually happen? You know, maybe, maybe you're not a believer in miracles or Jesus or even in God. Uh, and regardless, I'm glad you're here this morning. I hope you're open to what I have to say because like PJ said earlier, you may be experiencing sickness personally or in your family. And so this message really, I think, will shed light on a lot of things for you. You may say miracles aren't possible. They, they go against scientific laws. And I would say, yeah, that's, good. that's right. That's the point. They're these things that point to God. They're beyond our ability to understand. They're scientists. They can't explain these things that happen because they're limited. They're finite. They're human just like us, but God is omnipotent. He's infinite. So why wouldn't we expect him to do things that go beyond our comprehension? You know, they're impossible for us, but these things aren't impossible for God. People can go and get well or be cured in, in natural ways. You can get a cold or you can get sick and, you know, doctor tell you what, rest. Drink some fluids. Over time, you will get better. And why is that? Well, God made our bodies designed to help heal themselves in, in certain conditions. But he also designed us so that we can prevent getting sick too, like washing our hands. I hope we're all doing that. Exercising, eating well, um, avoiding smoking or unhealthy foods in excess, things that we can do to take care of our bodies. God wants us to take care of our bodies. It says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. These bodies don't belong to us. They're a gift from God. And so is that temple is that glorifying God? Or is it just fulfilling my desires in the moment? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm craving, I'm craving that extra flap frap, double pump, extra foam on top, three, three vanillas from Starbucks. I need it. You need it, but your body is gonna hate you for it. But they're still delicious, right? Sometimes they're good, they're just not good for us. So we've got to manage our bodies well, right, by not abusing them or taking unnecessary risks. Staying healthy is one of the best preventatives against sickness. And if that fails, we have a huge healthcare industry that exists to combat and try to prevent disease and death. But there's one thing for certain. It doesn't matter how healthy you are how much you exercise or how many calories you're counting. One day we will all lose the battle with death. Unless Jesus comes first, we're all going to succumb to that. We live in a fallen world. People have physical problems. God didn't create the world that way. But when the first people, Adam and Eve, sinned, they chose to go against God in spite of His warning. They brought into the world disaster human pain, disease, deformities, defects, and death. He meant for it to be perpetual paradise, for it to be heaven on earth. But now it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not, it doesn't matter how much faith or how little faith you have, you're still subject to sickness. Whether you're innocent or guilty of sin, whether you're an extremely good person or an extremely evil person, you're still subject to sickness and death. We, I mean, we've, you think about it. We've all spent over two years now with COVID, right? Some caught it and they got it really bad and they got really sick. Some caught it and they it was just like a head cold. Some caught it and they didn't even know it and they're spreading it to other people. But most of us caught it to some degree that had it, Right? And so many people have lived, we've lived in fear of this, we've worried to the point that it's caused all kinds of problems mentally, socially, educationally. And it's led to more addictions, suicides, and divorces in the past few years than we've ever seen before. And it's like almost the residual effects of it has been worse than the actual disease itself. Having good health is, or at least should be, our number one concern. I mean, these bodies, they're amazingly resilient, but they're also incredibly fragile. It seems like everybody's got something wrong, and I don't mean that negatively, but every week we, we get the prayer requests that you guys send in, and myself and many other people, we pray over every single one of those. The one thing I notice every week is the majority of them, it's some kind of sickness. Maybe you're sick right now, and if you're contagious, I just want to remind you, we have an online service, but there's also hand sanitizers, just a couple pumps there, and we're good to go. Maybe you're watching online right now because you are sick, You're unable to be here with us today. You know, maybe your painful condition or disability is obvious or maybe it's not. You know, gut problems, joints, nerve damage, chronic headaches. You can't see those things, but they're still there. They're still real. And regardless of whether your condition is visible or invisible, I want to ask you, like, where do you look to? Because if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to turn to... Jesus is the healer, is the great physician. Our big idea this week is trust Jesus in sickness because he has the power to heal. God put things in nature that can heal us. You know, grandma's natural remedies like peppermint for indigestion, prunes for constipation, hello, salt water for a sore throat, aloe for burns, ginger, honey. And I feel like every time I see an article, apple cider vinegar is the cure for something else. These are all natural things. They're things from God. Sometimes you need human help to get well. You know, up until recent history, we didn't have treatments or cures for a lot of ailments and pains, but we've been blessed to live in a time where we have all this technological and medical advance. I mean, you think from aspirin all the way to, to chemotherapy, defibrillators, CAT scans, every kid in this room, you know, boo-boos feel better when you have a Band-Aid that has superheroes on it. It's just science, I don't, I don't know. Don't ask me, it's just science. God also gave people intelligence and skills that can be used to help sick people get well, like doctors, nurses, paramedics, dentists, home health aides, physical therapists. There's scientists that study diseases so we can try to figure out how we can avoid this from happening to more people. Some things don't heal us, but they help us cope. I'm wearing contacts. They don't, they don't heal my terrible vision, but without them, we'd be struggling this morning. You have hearing aids to help you hear, wheelchairs and canes to help you with mobility. Many healthcare professionals would be the first to tell you they're not the true source of healing, but we should thank God for all of them. When we're sick, we don't just open a bottle of Tylenol though, right? We, we ask God to, to help us and to heal us. You know, thank God for modern medicine, but let's not rely completely on earthly means. And what I mean by that is when you, when you get sick, when something happens, is God your first response or is that where you go when everything else you've tried hasn't worked? miracles, there's something else, though, right? That's, that's when something happens that it can't be explained naturally. There's no doctor, no treatment, no immediate thing that can explain it. It's inexplicable. There's a difference between God doing something unusual and something unnatural, though. He can, he can heal in ordinary and extraordinary ways. Someone can be diagnosed with a disease, and they go back to the doctor a few days later and get retested, and they're good. They're all clear. We might call that a miracle. It is amazing. The doctors can't explain it. What happened? Well, we just, we we prayed and prayed, and and God took it away. We believe God did that. We praise him for healing. I'm not going to argue with you about that. It's still amazing, right? But it could possibly be explained away with a misdiagnosis or some kind of chemical reaction. In fact, some things we might call miraculous today might just be normal in the future. As we delve into the secrets of the human genome and invent procedures to find cures for different cancers and other diseases. There are things that we think are so incredible today that might just be common practice in the future. But the thing is, God put that in place for us to discover. He's the true source of healing. A true miracle is more than that. Healing the sick was not the purpose of Jesus' ministry, but he sure did it a lot. And how did Jesus heal? Might be one of your questions. Well, in short, he healed instantly. You didn't have to schedule an appointment with Jesus. You didn't have to hope he was in network, make sure you had all your information ready to go. He just did it on the spot. Sometimes he healed with just a word or a touch. You know, you might hear of this thing called a faith healer, um, and they, they have these elaborate demonstrations, and, and they go to these things, and they do all these things, and they come up to you, and they go, oh, you, you are healed because of your faith, and they touch you with their hand like that's supposed to actually do something. Those people are frauds. I mean, we know that. Those kind of people, like, Jesus is not that. He's different from those healers, if you will. He healed totally. People who supposedly get healed by these people, they're either planted there or they're people who are led to believe they're healed when they're not. And it's really sad. Like, they relapse or they just want to believe so badly they ignore and discount their continuing symptoms and pain. But when Jesus, there's, there's, no, there's no partial Temporary relief. It's not this thing that we just have to imagine actually happened. It was complete. It was total. There was no doubt. Jesus didn't make invisible symptoms go away. He did things that were obvious. He made people who couldn't walk get up and run. He made blind people see, deaf people hear, mute people speak. He cured a withered hand. I mean, these are things that He did and they were immediate. He reattached a cut off ear. It's crazy. Why did Jesus heal? Jesus heals many people for various reasons, but first let's go to the first chapter of Mark's gospel. It says, now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Jesus simply touched Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and she was completely healed on the spot. There's no waiting period for that. And what happens when the word gets out about that? Well, the verse continues. It says, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. It's like more than healing, like he casted out demons too. And we're not, we're not going to get into all the aspects of that today, but just know that he had the power to do that as well. There's something about this guy that makes him a little bit more than just a man. It says, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick. With various diseases and cast out many demons. Another time in verse 40, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. It says, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. This isn't, if you're not familiar with leprosy, this isn't like he had some pimples and he needed Adam Levine to get him some proactive, like These are serious lesions on your skin they like rot and fester up and they stink and these people are kept over to the side you don't talk to people with leprosy these people are over here like if you mess with them you're probably going to end up getting it and then guess what you're stuck over there by yourself with them too you just didn't mess with these people when jesus he touched him and he said be clean and he was made well his skin was was cured made clear intact completely healthy again That had to feel amazing if you're that guy. I mean, you're completely ostracized by society, and now all of a sudden, because of this man, Jesus, you're able to go back, be around your friends, be around your loved ones. You don't have to worry about these things. Jesus could have done all kinds of amazing feats just for show if he wanted to. I mean, he didn't like do things cool like Doctor Strange or, or Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. He wasn't like a superhero where he flew or ran super fast or shot lasers out of his eyes, although that'd be pretty sweet. But he could have. He had that ability. He was God. And the next time we do this power over miracles, July 3rd, we're, we're going to see his power over nature, walking on water, turning water to wine, calming a storm, multiplying the fish and loaves. But those were rare and unique occasions. Jesus healed lots of healing, lots of people. Why? It was because he has compassion. I mean, he, he healed the leper because it says he was moved by pity. He doesn't want to see people suffer. He was God, but he was also human. He understood what it was like to know pain and suffering and hardship. I mean, he suffered more than we can imagine. Another typical incident in scripture recorded after he got out of a boat, Matthew 14, 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Later, there's another crowd following him and What caught his attention wasn't this crowd following him, but these blind people over on the road crying out to him. They said, Lord, have mercy on us. And the crowd tried to shut him up, but Jesus stopped and he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And it says in Matthew 20, And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. He showed mercy. And guess what? He still has empathy for us today, too. He's still moved by our misery and motivated by mercy to heal. The Lord will heal. He is the great physician, the true source of healing. People who witnessed this, they would often shout out in praise. I mean, God deserves the glory for these things, right? But notice sometimes he heals in response to faith. The leper, he had faith to say, if you will, you can make me clean. There's another woman who had a bleeding issue for 12 years, snuck up behind Jesus in the middle of the crowd, touched the edge of his cloak just because she had the faith That he could heal her and it says in Matthew Jesus turned and seeing her he said take heart daughter your faith has made you well and instantly the woman was made well another time Jesus is teaching in a house there's a crowd of people a bunch of people in here teaching and the roof starts to rumble and there's these four friends lifting the roof off so that they can lower their paralyzed friend in in hopes that he can be healed by Jesus I don't know about you, but you got to check your circle if you've got some friends are going to tear a roof off for you and lower you. you gotta, they didn't have like nice ropes from like REI. They probably had some blankets tied together and they're lowering this guy. I mean, that's, that's some serious faith right there just to get your friend in the building. But that kind of faith moved Jesus to not heal him of his paralysis, but to offer him the greatest healing of all. It says, and when Jesus saw their what? Faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't heal his body, but he did what this man needed the most. You see, we have a soul sickness that's fatal. That's why Jesus came, to do only what he could do. You know, other prophets of God, they perform miracles of healing, but only Jesus could die for our sins. Jesus healed many people, but he didn't go around healing everybody. That wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to come to this earth and give his life for our sins so that in eternity we could enter heaven where we'll be complete healing and wholeness, transformation to a better resurrected body. That's the hope that we have. Just because I don't get healed doesn't mean I don't have any faith. Don't believe that. That's a, that's a prosperity gospel, word of faith nonsense. It's, you know, oh, your faith is going to make you successful. It's going to make everything feel better. Life's going to be so easy because God's got your back just because you have faith doesn't mean you get healed. Even the Apostle Paul, he pleaded to God for healing and he didn't get it, but instead he got God's help to endure it. Scripture doesn't say that every person Jesus heals had faith even. There were times that Jesus healed and faith may not have been present. Why? Because Jesus doesn't need anything from us. Faith is important when we seek God for healing, but He's not bound by faith or by lack of faith to do or not to do anything. He does as he wills. He's God. But the faith that I have in Jesus is sufficient, is sufficient to help my sin sickness through forgiveness forever. I mean, that's, that's what I really need. I, don't, I, I mean, I can make it if I've got a bum leg. I can make it if I can't smell or taste anything. It's not gonna be very fun, but I know that that only is here for my time here. That's not with me for eternity. Jesus' declaration that he could forgive sins, it really ruffled some feathers in his time. These Jewish scholars were accusing him of blasphemy, saying that only God could heal. And so Jesus challenged them right back. He said to them in Mark chapter two, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So he heals this man's disability as a bonus. But more than that, this was a, this was a sign that confirmed his divinity. He was God. He could forgive their sins. He didn't just claim to be able to forgive their sins. He backed it up. And that's the next reason why he heals. He heals to prove his claims. Jesus said, I walk it like I talk it, all right? This is what I do, and I'm going to show you. You know, when a guy shows up making big claims about being the Messiah, fulfilling prophecies, and being divine, he better offer some proof. Like, I'm not just going to hear someone say that and be like, oh, yeah, cool, dude. That's, that's good for you, man. That's awesome. I don't need to see proof, right? Kids, if you're on the playground, you hear someone say, I can make the half-court shot. I can jump rope 100 times without messing up. You're not going to just say, oh, that's cool. You're going to, okay, show me. Let's see it. Prove it. And that's what Jesus did. He said, I can forgive sins. They said, oh, yeah? Only God can do that. Prove it. And Jesus said, all right, watch this. Boom. Done. Is that simple. These miracles are meant to be signs, which is why so many times they're called signs and wonders. When you see a miracle, it's, it's unmistakable evidence that God did it that he has supernatural power and should be listened to and recognized as God. Jesus' miracles authenticated that he was more than a man and that people should listen to him. They were, they were kind of like his divine credentials, if you will. Jesus appealed to that purpose when he countered his critics. It says in John, Jesus said, if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus was bringing new revelation which needed verification. And this was also true of his apostles. He sent them out with his authority to bring new revelation and authenticated by miracles. It says in Mark 16 and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Even Paul notes in 2 Corinthians the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience with signs and wonders and mighty works. Now, there may be special cases and circumstances when God uses someone to bring healing, but it's through their prayers, not through an apostolic gift. I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen. God can do what he wants to do, right? But nobody today is an apostle of Christ. That's why someone comes up to me today and they say, hey, God spoke to me, or hey, God told me to tell you, like, okay, like, prove it. Because If you're truly an inspired messenger from God, a trustworthy teacher, I can confirm what you're saying is true because you should be able to prove it with some sort of sign. That's why God gave us the Bible. We have this access to the words of the prophets who were confirmed through miracles and signs and wonders. We don't have to worry about if you are or if you aren't. Like, if you are, you'll be able to prove it. And so far, I haven't seen anybody really meet that challenge. So be careful. Ultimately, like, the purpose of these miracles is that so we we would believe the message of Jesus. Here's how the Apostle John ends his gospel. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Miracles bring people to salvation. They open doors for evangelism. They lead people to repentance. Even today, in many parts of the world, people who are tragically trapped in false belief systems, what, when they or a loved one gets sick, they turn to believing Christians to pray for them and they get healed. And that can be an open door for us too. Like when someone we know is in need, we can offer to pray for them. And people don't usually turn that down. And when their situation improves, it may open their heart to the Lord. And when word gets out about their situation improving after that person prayed for them, that's going to pique interest in people. I mean, we see that in Scripture. Says in James chapter five, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. That doesn't mean you don't go to the doctor or refuse medicine. But doctors are amazing people, right? They don't have the final word. Jesus is the great physician. He's the Lord of miracles. It continues. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, there's nothing special about this oil. It's like mystical, where it's like, oh, this oil was on me and it made me so much better. Just it's just representative of God's working if that makes sense. It also continues, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Some of you in this room are hesitant to ask for prayer, but that's, I mean, that's what we're here for, right? There's there's people that are up front towards the end of service during communion and and after the song, and they're here to pray for you. They're here to answer your questions, right? If you're here every week, you know that. And if you're new, we have people that will answer your questions. You can come find me. You can come find anybody. Like, We'll pray for you. We'll answer your questions. Don't be hesitant about that. Uh, The scripture concludes, it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Our faith doesn't have the power. Jesus does. And the big idea, one more time, if you guys want to read this one with me, trust Jesus in sickness because he has the power to heal. Don't give up. Have faith. God still answers prayers today. The woman with the bleeding waited 12 years for it to stop. The paralytic man waited 38 years. We have a hard time sometimes waiting 12 minutes at McDonald's (laughs) drive-thru. I'm just saying, patience is a virtue, right? The paralytic man waited 38 years. You know, um, there was a family that we knew in Kentucky and uh, they were married and, and, and the wife's sister had twins. There was a whole lot of medical things going on. Um, they weren't really sure when they were gonna be able to take them home and kind of rallied some prayer around them to, to pray for them, myself, my wife, a lot of other people were praying for these two babies and we would celebrate God every time they made these um, medical breakthroughs and they would overcome these challenges hoping that they would get to go home, but they didn't go home with mom and dad they went home with him and they're with him now and they're not experiencing any pain or any suffering, but it wasn't because I didn't have any faith, you know? Sometimes things don't happen. You don't know what God's will is and and you pray and your lack of faith isn't the reason why those things don't happen. You never know when your day will come. He may do it in a supernatural way or through natural means. But our hope isn't anchored in miracles right it's not anchored in well because i prayed to god he's going to do this no our hope is in a sovereign god we'll all face a time when he doesn't heal we'll die so trust and glorify him whether you get healed or not because all who follow christ will one day be made well and whole completely resurrected with a new transformed glorified body fit for the new heavens and new earth there's no more pain disease disability or death If you don't have that hope, man, I encourage you to repent, put your faith in Jesus. You you can text or email your name to what's on the screen behind me. You can come up um, during communion, and there will be people to pray for you. And after the song, they'll be back up here as well. They can help you with making the best decision ever and get baptized. They can pray for you. Like I said, they can answer any questions, no matter how tough. There's not a question that we're going to avoid here. And I just, man, I would implore you, that's just a hope that you don't want to miss out on. If you're a Christian, you know, you're invited to join us in this time of communion that we're going to move into. Um, you know, this Memorial Weekend is a great thing. Um, we have a great place with a lot of freedoms. Uh, and thank you to those who have sacrificed for us to continue to have those. Uh, this communion is in, in representation of the one who made the greatest sacrifice for us. You know, this, this, this bread... And this uh, juice represents Christ's body and blood. prophet Isaiah says, by his stripes we are healed. He experienced not only physical suffering of the nails in his hands and his feet and thorns on his head, but he experienced suffering in his soul so that we didn't have to. He carried the sins of the world because we couldn't pay that debt. And so this is a meal of, of thanksgiving for us as Christians. If you're not a Christian, um, take this time to reflect um, you can text your name to the screen. Like I said, you can come up front. There are people that will be up here to pray with you. I'd really encourage you to do that. Let me pray for us. Hey, God. Um, man, I just uh, thank you so much for, for being good and for being sovereign. And um, thank you for being a God who who is there regardless of the circumstance. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for understanding when healing is, does not occur. Thank you for sending your son Jesus for us, God. Um, I just pray for safety for all these people in this this room this weekend. Um, Anything that they have, God, that they need lifted up to you. God, I lift that up to you now. I just pray that um, regardless of what the will is in in, in your will, that your presence would be made known to them and they would have comfort in your ultimate good. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.